Okay, so to begin, we're gonna take 30 seconds to summarize the section. And basically, the last thing that I remember, well, the beginning of the chapter was that um, Okonko got exiled for seven years, and now he's looking for a place to, um, to stay. And basically, his mother's um, brother takes him in, and he like provides um, Okonko land, so then he could start um, growing um, yams, so then Okonko could, provi could provide for his family. And then after that, um, Okonko's best friend comes and provides him and goes and sells his yams. And then after the seven-year exile ends, Okonko... That was pretty, that was pretty good. That was okay, okay. Right, go. I'm gonna go. Um, from what I can remember from the section we read over the last week, Okonko is exiled for seven years because he accidentally shot someone. And, uh, I, I, think I forgot. Okay, anyway, um, when, he, when, he, when he is exiled, he goes to this other land where he grows his grows his yams and whatnot and he he lives his days out there but he dreads it and but then as he returns he finds that his village has changed a lot and the colonizers are coming in and taking over their village that was, that was good too okay now i'm nervous okay so Akonko had moved to a new village and like this village like required like a lot of hard work and um and so once he like got to new village he started to like become like more depressed and like lost his drive to like do things and then um and then that's when like the missionaries started coming in and uh the like christianity started to become implemented and then as like the missionaries started to come in and christianity noye was like i want to be a part of like the christian community and then he started doing that i forgot what timestamp I started on but yeah I'll just say that that was 30 seconds um I think Trinity you did a good um summary because you talked about like the whole thing and I only talked about like the first half of it and you really explained like the entire like part thank you is that my vote who do you think did best yeah. um I'm not sure you can say yourself too. um okay anyway I think I did a pretty good job mainly because I just did like a quick brief yet in-depth summary of the whole thing after him being exiled yeah and i kind of focused like on like the first part which i should have like focused more like on the overall yeah so we'll call that a time i guess okay <laughs> so moving on to the first question now that we have a conco's entire character um and we've analyzed we should analyze his development and um, I think he developed quite a bit, just because at the beginning he seemed more like stone-faced. I don't know how to explain it, but he didn't show any like emotions before, and he still doesn't. But the uh, author Achebe is allowing us to see like a lot more of what he's thinking and a lot more of his emotions. Um, like, what am I? <laughs> yeah, um, I think that Okonko, at the beginning of the, the novel, he he is um, like masculine, but then we get to see, as like we keep reading throughout the book, that he does have emotions, and we could see this through um, the way that he treats his children, because for example, um, like um, Noe, his oldest son, um, he treats him like, like he's always like really hard on him because he wants him to succeed and um he also wants his daughter Ezuma to um 
um, to be a man because um, she has like great potential, but because she's a woman, Okonko thinks that she has like less opportunities in her village. Mm-hmm. And, uh, go ahead. And then also, I thought that Okonko, even though even though he he was pretty talented throughout like, story, he 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 prefers everything to be masculine because because I. Th- he, in his perspective, he thinks that masculine are just more great, great people. Mm-hmm. And and in addition, Okwakwo, what uh, uh, he he, even though even though he appears to be emotionless, he does not want to show his emotions ne- never ever throughout the story. Because he looks feminist, naturally his emotions just come out after after he gets angry with with uh, yeah. his his daughter because because yeah he he, 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 w- he went he wishes she was a, a man instead mm-hmm. despite her great potential for things. Yeah, I agree with you. I especially think with like the Noye thing I think if you like want to think about it like that I think uh, Okonkwo also might be a little bit upset with Noye or like jealous because Noye has like figured out how to express like his emotions and I guess like his femininity even though it's like not really feminine it's feminine to Okonkwo and I think he's a little bit jealous that he can't express that as much because he's already created a um like what he wanted and then the same thing with like a, like his daughter Zima like she's not incredibly like masculine nor is she like incredibly feminine but she's also like in the middle and she, and I think Azima and Noye are like really like similar in who they are and what they do except that Azima can get away with it because she is she's a woman so she can get away with that type of stuff but um but this is on Okonkwo's development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that um, Okonkwo as a father, um, like towards like the ending of the the novel, he's like having like difficulty, like um, controlling his children, you could say, um, because like his oldest son, like branches out and he becomes like a Christian convert, and um, and this goes like against like Okonkwo's. Um, traditions and his values because um, he believes that um, being being with his village is very important. Yeah. And then also, I thought it was a little ironic since Okonkwo, he's he wants to be all masculine, but at the same time, he he's just, his emotions basically lead to his downfall, which is interesting since uh, since like it leads to his tragic ending because the district commissioner that guy that guy was pretty pretty evil or or written to be as like a basically an evil person to them and after Okwankwo is imprisoned by the white people uh, he he's like that's that's that I'm I can't can't take this anymore after after like Noye wanted to convert to Christianity <clears throat> and and it just leads him to hang himself because his emotions got the best of him basically mm-hmm. he he 
he thought that this was too much for him, and yeah. yeah. I, al- I also agree about that. I, I also agree with that. Um, so, like, considering, like, our opinions of him, he seemed really, like, broody and masculine at first, and then I think we can agree moving on. He started to get a little softer, and, like, with the community's opinions, like, he, they didn't think that he was a bad guy, but he was just as bad as his dad, except for, like, in the complete opposite, like, light. And, um, yeah, and then... Uh, com- the communication through his tragic end is that like he tried to be fate so much that he couldn't really be himself. So, and I think that um, because Okonko, um, he ended up killing himself because I think that he couldn't because when he returned back to his village, um, so much has changed, and I think that he couldn't accept the fact that um, that like everything is different, and that really was one of like one of the motives that drove him crazy because. He was so invested in his um, his morals and his values that um, it really changed him. Mm-hmm. And and then also as he he also saw his seven years of exile as dreadful since he was also dreading that what if he was no longer entitled to be what he was before by the clan and what if he was was now looked down upon just like his father and he he it's basically all throughout the story he does not want to be looked at like his father and and instead be looked like as basically someone who stood out in all ways and that's kind of also why Achebe wrote about Kwanko specifically instead of, say, like, Nwoye or Unoka, those people. Because what he did, did leave an impact on everybody. And his death just shows how like, these white people who invaded, how it basically drove especially Kwankwo insane but also what they've done has basic has just destroyed them and that's how they they all fall apart basically uh-huh. I, okay so that uh wraps up question a so moving on to question b address the prompt on the white man's burden so um after reading the white man's burden how do you guys think that the missionary's attitude compares to the speaker of the white man's burden poem I think I think the white man's burden is very similar to the the problems here of the colonization because what the white men do is they try to justify themselves for ta- for taking for taking their land and they they view themselves as great people and strong and how also in in the book the the white the white people who colonize, uh, they they take over their land and want to be successful in it. Mm-hmm. I um, <laughs> comparing the attitude of the missionaries to white man's burden. I think it really does pretty much sum it up throughout the whole uh, throughout the whole novel with Echebe, uh 
Wudichebe brings up. I'm trying to find the quote from the poem, but I cannot find it. So, Lily, do you have anything okay, to yeah. say? Okay, so I think that the white man's burden is saying that, um, um, like, the Americans or the, the white men, like, had a purpose. And, like, it was, like, their purpose to colonize. And mm-hmm. so, in a way, it was, like, their burden. And I think that this relates to um, Okonko and the situation of um, the colonizers coming in, such as, like, the missionaries. Um, because in the, the novel, it's talking about how um, the white men came and um, they... And in the in the white man's burden, it talks about how um, the colonizers view the the people as like savages. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a line in it. It says, it, in line 18, it says the savages wars of peace. And it also says watch sloth and heathen. And it's talking about how um, the Americans view the. Um, like the the Native Americans as like uncivilized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that. And like them making it, they feel like they have to take action on it, even though they're coming to like a new land and like the uh, the people of that land didn't really necessarily want it to happen. And they just think that it's like this big job that they have to take care of. And then if you go and move on to Black Man's Burden, it's pretty much them just saying, no, we don't actually want your help. We don't actually need you here. Yeah, and and, and instead of, they just see Black people as basically dangerous to society and how they should not... It's basically them, in, in short, just saying how they should not even in, like, exist in this world yeah. and, and how they, they're they too dangerous to be left alive and how they, they sh- their lives should be ruined and all. Mm-hmm. And looking at like other knowledge from other classes, like in AP World, uh, we just kind of like passed this area and they mentioned the white man's burden. And they also, with the white man's burden, they called them like little brown brothers. So it's like trying to take care of like little siblings or little brothers. And like, since they're your little siblings, you don't really have like a choice to take care of them. You just have to take care of them. And it's nothing that you can really take care of. And like, it's nothing that you can get rid of. You can't get rid of your siblings. So they feel like that they can't get rid of this responsibility to colonize and like civilize the, like, this. Like a Conquo's area, the Conquo's tribe and stuff. Right, and they're they're they feel that uh, these people they they don't want them to be here, but they're just they're just there and nothing to do about it. So like, just do do what you can. Mm-hmm. Does that wrap Sim- up? Simple. Do you do you guys have anything else to say? <clears throat> um, I have a question. It says, how does the speaker of the poem in the missionary in the novel view non-white people? Uh, um, to answer that... Little Brown Brothers. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, I think, I think what, what he's trying to say is that they're, they're trying to look up to the white people, saying that they're justified for everything, what they did, and saying that the black people, on the other hand, are not justified what whatever they're doing. And it's it's like heavy biased towards like it's more leaning towards white people as the greater people and the black people as less and yeah, just normal yeah, segregation. I agree. And I think it's like the definition of like white superior. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and then what what set of assumptions do missionary and the speaker of the poem make? And I think that's like a really simple question. It's just that the assumptions that the um, that the natives of the land need help when they really don't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. All right. So does that wrap up question B? Yes. Yeah. Okay, just to, to, to start off question C after wrapping up question B, uh, addressing the prompt of the black man's burden, how might Johnson's poem reflect some of the views of the villagers as they deride the missionaries? Um, so, in the black man's burden, it talks about pile on the black man's burden and i think this is like a negative like connotation because it's um in the previous poem it said um take up the white man's burden and when it says like pile on it's like that like they're taking in like t- like pile on is like yeah. passive like yeah. put it on put it to the side like setting class and like take up is let's do it yeah and then also, I feel like pile on means to like, like go out of the way as to, instead of not only leaving it to the side of the burden, let's just put on more burden on them on purpose because of what they, how, how they uh, view, it, view them as like negative people yeah. to society. Uh-huh. And I think the poem reflects some of the views of the villagers because they kind of, they kind of, they do throw it to the side, they do pile it on, they're like, what is this, we don't need it. And then it's also like, they're kind of, they kind of like take a step back as well, which I think the poem also like addresses, that they take a step back and like, especially when Aconquo was talking to, um, Aconquo was talking to one of the leaders, like we have to get rid of them, like they're doing this and that. And it's like, if they're not hurting us, then there's no point, especially when one of the Christians killed a python and a python is like really important to their culture they um he's like well that's between god and the python and the christian you know and, and then also like the white white people they don't care about what they're doing to them they're pretty apathetic of their culture they don't yeah they don't because they think they're doing the right thing yeah they they only think they're doing the right thing but in probably the, the black people's perspective, the, the, the villagers' perspective, they're ruining their culture. Mm-hmm. And this only shows that uh, the white, white people, they're, they're just, they, they just want to do what they want to do and not take on their own burden like, with how they're wronging them. And instead, they just want to say, we're doing the right thing, what, what's good for us, and we don't care about if you're, if you're unhappy about what we're doing, we just care about what we're doing. Yeah. And then, um, if we move on to the next question, what assumptions do the village people make about the missionaries that arrived to speak to them? I think, I'd like, especially when they first arrived and they had, like, their, like, quote-unquote, iron horse. They, um, I don't know. I just think that they felt completely foreign. I don't, obviously, I don't know exactly how they were feeling, but, like, I feel like they hadn't had, like, much interaction with them, especially since they called the bike an iron horse. They were kind of just like, oh, this won't last a while, so let's just let them do their thing, and then they'll move on, and we can go back to our thing. Yeah, I agree, and I think that once, like, the colonizers were um, in the village for a while, the villagers started getting used to them, and then that's when... Um, some of the villagers started adapting like Christianity. Mm-hmm. 
like Noye when he moved on. Yeah, when when his name was converted to Isaac, that just shows how their culture, their, their own African culture, is kind of going away, and Christian culture is just moving into the, the European cultures. They wanted to introduce them to their their religion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that um, Okonko was like really against this because um, he was like super like with his culture and he he like really he viewed it as like something very personal to him. And when like the missionaries came, um, he it was like, like something. Yeah, it was threatening for him. And um, that's why I think that um, Okonko was like really against it. Yeah, he, like especially when he had a really big outlash with Noye, because I think him seeing his own son go towards what he saw as a threat was like really like disheartening and angering. And I think it also made him anxious, even though it's an empathetic feeling. It made him anxious probably, because yeah. he was scared of what was gonna happen. Yeah, and then also going back to the poem, because Okwakwo is savage, it also relates to the poem as, the black, the black men being menaces, which kind of it does connect to to the story in, in some some instances, mm-hmm. and also um, the uh, the when the white people come in, they they know that oh they they see that they they, they want to imprison them for not doing what they want to do uh-huh. and that's why they also see black people as not 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 good people they view them as bad people mm-hmm. and to uh wait sorry were you done oh no I, I mean yeah i was done okay and to like wrap it up comparing the poem to the previous poem the white man's burden i think it's just them like i think it's the white men coming up to them like hey we're doing this like being really aggressive and the black men like what's going on like sorry we don't want to do that you know so yeah i agree is that it yes okay so wrapping up into the last question question d uh what purpose does this novel serve into the 21st century consider the theme oh we didn't i didn't think about a theme what do you guys think the theme is um i'd say it's like Oh, okay. Um, I think I think it's like consider like like different cultures around the world. I guess. Yeah. Um, like like consider different cultures around the world. Like, be different, but don't like go go overboard, mm-hmm. or else you'll just end up being viewed the same way, like yeah. positive, negative. Yeah, I think the uh, because like like uh like <laughs> like Mr. Wills said. Um, like it was written so f- long ago yeah. and now it's like having quote unquote impacts in the 21st century like what would those be and I think it's just that like looking at what ha- like looking at part one when he was mentioning his dad a lot his dad was lazy didn't want to do anything he had a lot of debt and like to Akonkwo and like most people he's just like an awful person and Akonkwo made it a goal for him to be nothing like his dad so that's what he was he was nothing like his dad he was strong and like he didn't show emotions like his dad did and but it ended up being just as bad as his dad was and so i think the main purpose of this novel is to say just because there's one extreme that has a bad outcome doesn't mean that the other extreme will have the best outcome because i think a was like 
point was to be a really good like person, but it just really didn't work out. Also, before I stop talking, um, never mind. I forgot what I was gonna say. So, <laughs> um, and then also how what also away maybe a little less from that another thing that this could serve for the 21st century is like have respect for other cultures and like stop racism and all it this also shows this this book can also be like a symbolism for like like racism we see in the 21st century as like like white discriminate like discriminating minorities yeah i agree and we could see this like um in present day because um like white superiority is like still happening because in schools um for example let's say if like a black person or like a hispanic person wants to apply um at a school and as well as like a white person the chances of the white person getting the job is more higher is higher than um the other people and then also like with discrimination um like even back then blacks had to be like like they they were slaves but then now like black people today there there are a lot of them are in like like financial problems and plus they're in, in the job compared to like like a black versus a white person in, in a job even if both have do the same work same job same effort the white person tends to be paid more than the black person mm -hmm. because of uh, ra racial, right? Yeah, I would, I would like, I would like to respectfully disagree with your guys's opinion, real quick, because I think that the book is more about, like, when it does talk about colonization, I think it's more about white men having to help black men even though they don't want it and i think like now in the 21st century it's like it, like i was talking to my dad about it it's like as kids we don't see color but then when we get older we do and it doesn't become a oh i need help from a white person it becomes oh oh i'm black and you're not you know yeah so i think it i think it steers away from our racial situation now and more of like the, the community in the community I think yeah it's more like now um like despite like like um our race because we live in america there's like so many different type of cultures yeah. and now it's about We're, like, like a community pot. and i like totally agree what you're saying because um like everything that's happening in the world right now i think the best thing that we should do is like stay united and not like um go against each other and yeah it's but in like even though like the colonizers weren't exactly going against each other mm -hmm. they were still separated because it's like we need to help them yeah and we yeah. as in we are white and them as in they are black so right and then also how this is this is america there should like there should be no there no hate should there should be no hate in this country instead like all races should be treated equally <clears throat> and uh to your point, how uh, they like again the cultures tend to tend to mix, mm -hmm. and sometimes maybe get caught up in hating another culture, but it's maybe because it's just they're misunderstood, yeah. and s simple as that, and that that can lead, which can lead to. Uh -huh. I think before we wrap this up, I think you're on to a really good point is that like 
misunderstanding cultures can also lead to hatred of a culture even though I don't see that as much it's also like when there's like quote-unquote culture appropriation it's not actual culture appropriation it's just people taking a culture too seriously when it's the 21st century and nothing should really be taken that seriously yeah and I agree and that's why um in the novel when like the missionaries come um like the villagers they started accepting the colonizers culture mm -hmm. and like that was one of like like a really important yeah right all right are we good yeah perfect thanks, thanks.